The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Dushepsi for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Monday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Comment, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin How are you doing today, man? I'm great. We only have a week and a half until we are going to be watching NBA basketball. Now, it will only be the preseason as those games are scheduled for Abu Dhabi next Wednesday between the Mavericks and the Timberwolves. But media days are going to be at the beginning of next week, and then we will have preseason basketball getting going. And so we are going to start taking a look ahead at the season that is to come and we are going to give you eight things that we look forward to this upcoming NBA season. Why eight, Chris? Why eight? Because this, as you mentioned to me, is season number eight of the mismatch. Mm-hmm. I was number shocked. Eight. I, I, you're good with anniversaries. You know, whoever your eventual mate ends up being, they got a golden <laughs> one on their hands. Because you I can remember, you can remember, like, I remember one time we brought up and you were like, yeah, our first episode was October something of 19, of what, what year <laughs> was it? Of 19? Whatever it was. <laughs> I am. Um, but yeah, I guess it was, uh, so eight years, 2015 was the first one? No, 2016. 2016, 2016. Yeah, we're oh. entering our eighth season. So the 2016 season, yeah, it was like October 2nd or 3rd. Um, uh, of 2016. That's crazy. Pair, paired us together. We yep. talked about Ben Simmons and a bunch of other stuff. I think maybe next uh, next Monday might be closer to the anniversary. But yeah, our eighth season. How about that, huh? Unbelievable. Thank you to all of our listeners that have made that possible. Um, I got to imagine we've got to be the longest running outside of Bill and maybe, uh, I don't know, we'd have to go back and look at when the rewatchable started. Yeah, Chris Ryan pod. Well, the the watch goes back to yeah. Grandland, that one right? would be probably yeah. longer. Yeah, but yeah, we've got to be. We're certainly in the top five of oh, the longest no running ringer pods for yeah, sure, it, easily for sure. Which is crazy. It's been that long. It's hard to believe, man. Like I'm one of the longest tenured employees at this point. Is that true? Like yeah, like all the people that have left and all that. Like 
Kevin Clark just left for ESPN in Omaha, yeah. and he was previously one of the longest tenured before me. It's kind of crazy how long it's been, man, but hopefully many, many, many more years to come. All right, well, before we get into the eight things we look forward to this NBA season, we've got to get to this news regarding the least talked about uh, development of the summer, this Damian Lillard thing, Kev. We just never seem to have any talk about this. Uh, Never. I mean, this this might be our first time since, I don't know, early July since talking about it, right? (laughs) This is real advancement of a story, though. Mm, It is. This is not just the tea leaves or rumors or whatever. This is like an actual report from Mark Spears that says the Toronto Raptors enter this week as the front runners to trade for Damian Lillard. Two high ranking NBA team executives told ESPN's Anscape. While the Raptors have had recent conversations with the Blazers about Lillard, no pact was close or imminent as of Monday morning. Uh, then it goes on to talk about Lillard requesting the trade, his preferred destination being Miami. And then it says a Raptors offer could include a package featuring players from a roster that includes two-time NBA All-Star Pascal Siakam, 2002 NBA Rookie of the Year Scotty Barnes, forward OG Ananobi, who is eligible for a contract extension, and rookie sharpshooter Grady Dick. The Blazers are intrigued about adding a young six foot eight sharpshooter in Dick, a source said. The two NBA executives said that they expect Lillard to be traded before Media Day, which is October 2nd for most teams, including the Blazers, the Heat, and the Raptors. Practices will begin the next day. And then it goes on to say, along with Toronto, Miami, Milwaukee, The Celtics, the Sixers, the Bulls have also shown interest since Lillard's initial trade request. All right, so what do we make of this? The guy that once put the deal together to trade for Kawhi Leonard might very well be big game hunting again. Uh, What do we think about Toronto and the names that are kind of thrown out there and what a package would look like? Well, that name you mentioned, Masai Ujiri, that's important here. Because Masai Ujiri, this is one thing Mark Spears didn't mention in his article regarding the Raptors. Masai Ujiri has a long relationship with Aaron Goodwin, who is the agent for Damian Lillard and DeMar DeRozan. They've worked together for many years. They worked together during that DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard deal. So all that to say, either A, the Raptors' interest in Damian Lillard is genuine and that they want to go out and get Dame and try, and they're choosing a path. As we've talked about all summer, they're a team that's kind of in the middle. Nobody knows if they want to start winning or move towards rebuilding. This could be them choosing a path. Or B, he's trying to do a solid for Goodwin and Dame because of that long relationship that they have and try to just drive up the price towards a deal actually Mm. happening. And so it could be one of those two things. I do think the interest is genuine. You know, like Spears, he was the guy about 10 days ago who said he can't say yet who the mystery team is. Shams, a couple weeks back, I believe, mentioned the Raptors as a team that could potentially get in on Dame. I think the Raptors have genuine interest here, uh, and they have the assets to deal. They can get creative. Um, But ultimately, it's very hard to know here uh, how genuine that is. But one other thing, Chris, there's a lot of noise. Like sometimes when stuff is out there so much, you you can't believe it, right? But before that Kawhi Leonard deal happened years ago, Tim Bontemps, who typically does not report trade stuff, like that's no knock against him. I don't either, right? Tim typically doesn't report this type of stuff. He was the first, I believe, to say that the Raptors had interest in Kawhi Leonard. And that was like two weeks prior to the Raptors landing Kawhi. That's what got all those rumors starting about will he will will he get up getting traded to the Raptors even though he wants to go to LA? Well, he did. He ended up going to the Raptors. So I think this could potentially be history repeating here where stuff is coming out of unexpected places involving Toronto. It's not just Woj. It's not just Shams. It's Mark Spears, and like Mark isn't always the guy reporting trade stuff either. Um, but this type of stuff is leaking out, and we'll see if it ends up manifesting or another surprise team, or it's just Miami. 
There is no way they would trade Scotty Barnes, right? I don't think so, man. Like the, the, that would I, be crazy. No, I, I can't see them trading Scotty Barnes. I, I can't, I can't see them trading Pascal Siakam for that matter either. I think the deal would include OG Ananobi, Gary Trent's expiring contract, and then a bunch of young players and picks. To oh me, no, that's I, th- what I would think happen. they would. I think they would move Siakam, and, I don't and think it would so, just man. be well because if you're not going to pay him. Yeah, but but they might not want to pay him until they know what else they got. Like, if yeah. they know they're getting Dame, then they'll be more willing to commit towards the, okay, we're going to re-sign Pascal Siakam path moving forward. Because, like, Siakam... I, I, I just, uh, I, yeah, but I don't, th- I don't think that Siakam... You're, look, you're never going to get the best out of Scotty Barnes if you got Siakam. You're just not. So you're dedicating to one or the other, to me. And I do think it's about time that we need the Scotty Barnes breakout. And I think getting Siakam out of the way enables that. That's what I would guess. Yeah, but then the flip side of that is, is OG Ananobi, who only has uh, two years left, is he going to be happy and want to re-sign there either when he's behind Damian Lillard and behind Scotty Barnes? OG's deal is coming up. He has a player option for next year, so he actually could be a free agent in 2024. So He can't be involved. He's worth five first-round picks, according to <laughs> Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. How <laughs> you can't you can't just throw him in a deal? That guy's a five first round pick player. <laughs> OG and Anobi. I think I think they'd I think they'd move OG. That's my. Of course they would. And and also and also OG would have more value to the Blazers as well than Pascal Siakam. What he's three four years younger. Uh, he just fits their roster much better with their timeline. If I'm the Blazers, I want OG and Anobi in, in a deal. Why would you not want Siakam? I mean, along with Scoot and Jeremy Grant, like you might actually be pretty good, you know, pretty competitive pretty fast. Do I want to be pretty competitive I mean, pretty fast? I'm not so I, sure. I mean, I don't think that most, there, there hasn't been a very good payoff for being crap recently. Yeah, but Siakam's almost 30 years old. He's going to be 30 his next contract. He just doesn't fit the timeline yeah. for No, the I, I get it. I get it. Well, also, he's an asset. I mean, a big yeah. asset, right? And if we, we, we thought that they were doing a lot of asset accumulation during the offseason. Like, that's why we thought that they did the Jeremy Grant deal and some of the others. We defended these by saying, look, they're going to be, there's going to come a time where they're going to be able to get these expirings and some first round picks and really just stock up. If you're tearing this thing down, uh, after after you move off of Dane, that you're just in asset accumulation, and then you're going to look to all these different contenders, et cetera, t- and, and GMs that are worried about losing their jobs, coaches, et cetera, and you're going to be able to pawn these guys off and, and, and get first-round picks out of them along with some expirings to maybe, you know, you could, you could ship them off to somebody that really needs that, that guy. The big question, though, is, like, we know about Toronto, and the talks that are having with Portland. The big question is those other teams that have been listed, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Bulls, according to Mark Spears. Bucks, I don't think they have anywhere near enough. You'd, you'd have to move Drew Holiday, who has said he's going to retire after his current contract in two years, regardless of whether he, he does that or not. Holiday's not going to get you more assets in return than what, say, Toronto could give. The Sixers... I don't think they're giving up Tyrese Maxey unless they do. I can't imagine that they would have enough assets. The Bulls, they could compile quite a bit, and they also have the rights to some Blazers picks because of the protections on it as well. So the Bulls are interesting. I don't think Dane would be happy going to the Bulls because the Bulls aren't like quite ready to contend. The Heat are ready. The, the Sixers are ready. Uh, like e- Even the Raptors... I don't think they're quite ready, but they feel further ahead than the Bulls are if they added him to the mix. And then the Celtics are the interesting one there because, you know, whether it means anything or not, Bet Online has them as the the favorites, uh, the odds makers' favorites to land Dame behind Miami. And I don't necessarily think that matters a whole lot here, but it's at least interesting considering the fact that, you know, Spears reported earlier in the summer that Tatum was recruiting Dame. I've been saying Boston should go after him since those rumors started and in July. They can put together an interesting offer at the least. The Celtics can trade up to four first-round picks, two and 24, one and 26, one and 2030. They have eight second-round picks they can deal in the future. 
They it's tough to come up with the money, but they could do it. Brogdon, Robert Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett, Sam Hauser, Jordan Walsh. Walsh was just an early second round draft pick that some teams had ranked as a first rounder. So really like five first round picks plus a young guy in Robert Williams. Maybe you flip him to Phoenix in the Aiton situation. I don't think the offer is better than what the Raptors no. could do or what some other teams can do, but I do think it's better than what the Heat could do. And that's well, there's the no better player here. than Hero in that deal. Yeah, but here, but it's not about how a player is valued in a vacuum. It's about how they're valued to the Portland Trailblazers. Hero does not have a lot of value to the Blazers. They are invested in Shaden Sharp. They have young players in that backcourt. Hero just doesn't make sense for that team. He's redundant. That's why they're so adamant about trying to flip him elsewhere. And by the way, if Hero had a lot of value league-wide, he would have been flipped for multiple first-round draft picks. Teams don't see the value in Hero at this point. He's been a dud in the playoffs other than his bubble series against the Celtics. He has not produced. They went to the finals well, he didn't without play. him. He didn't, in fairness, he they, didn't they, play. And they didn't, and they didn't want him back. Because they were better off without him. He has been a dud in the playoffs since the oh, bubble. Wait, hold on now. Did they not want him back or they didn't want him back if they could get Damian Lillard? There's a big No, no, no. I'm saying in the finals. In the finals, they did not want him back. Well, he had been out for a long time. Of Kevin. course. But if you really I needed mean, him, you really you would have brought him back and tried him on a limited basis. I mean, who knows if he could even contribute. Hero, hero point, look, right? dude. Look, I mean, listen. The guy's Hero, won six man of the year and he's I know, 21 I know, years old or something. I know, but I know he's had success in the regular season. He's also been a dud in the playoffs. He's, time and time tw- again. he's less than 23 years old, Kevin. I understand. I get your point. You don't understand. Yeah, like, I look do at get all these your other point. guys. <laughs> How can you judge this guy? This guy has had more success under 23 than a lot of guys have in their whole careers. He's been a good player in the regular season. And all I'm saying is that he for Portland, he is a redundant player. I don't I don't disagree. I, I don't I don't have a problem with if Portland doesn't want him. I'm saying he is the best asset, even. He's better than anything that you just named for the Celtics. A bunch of late first round picks and stuff that won't make me any better anyway. Maybe. I mean, it depends on how you feel about Robert Williams, like an elite rim protector, an elite at rim finisher. You could argue. Oh boy, for are you selling Again, this? You you could argue for Portland having Robert Williams would be more value, or for Portland sending Robert Williams and Brogdon to Phoenix to get DeAndre Ayton is more valuable. That's that's where the argument is rooted. Is what makes sense for Portland in a vacuum? Yes, Hero is a better player than Robert Williams. But for the Portland Trailblazers, what are their needs moving forward? How do they want to optimize Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, and the young guys they have on their roster? That's really the question there. And also, who do you want to bet against more in terms of the draft picks that you're, you're getting in the distant future? Is it about betting against Boston or betting against Miami? That's part of it as well. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, it would be, I don't understand. I'll never understand. And look, they've had a lot of success. They've gotten to where they have gotten. I'll never understand why they are so dead set on having Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum along with a point guard that doesn't just set the table instead of always just whether, I mean, from Kyrie Irving to Isaiah Thomas to Dennis Schroeder to like they, they never, they always have like these like shoot first point guards and I know that there is not a tremendous amount of set the table point guards out there but when you've got those two guys and they're so lethal I have always found it strange that they've never just had a guy that just kind of gets it all running I actually thought they were a great Chris Paul team I thought that would be very good for them especially when they're losing Marcus Smart in the process and obviously they've you know, the the reports are that Brogdon's going to go somewhere. Like, he's going to, they're going to move him somewhere. And so maybe it will be. Who knows? Uh, but it sounds it's like... It's unlikely. It's unlikely. But th- th- I just want to, it's unlikely. Improbable. But it's just at least noteworthy that they're on that list. Something's happening very quickly. We only got a week until that timeline. If If those executives are right, and I would imagine they probably are, then they want this thing done by the time they go to media day so that they're talking about Scoot Anderson and the future of the franchise and all that rather than having this hanging over. Um, and so that's a one week from today that that would take place. They could also just be putting pressure on it 
trying to escalate things and, and then they end up dragging it into the season that, which could end up happening. We'll see. Yeah, I think, we, we'll I, see. I think, I, I, I think I'd want it to be done with too. I'd yeah, want it too. to be, I'd totally want it to be settled. I'd want it to be settled. I don't want the whole media day. If I'm a team to be about that. I mean, that's not that important to me. I just want to get it done just to have it done and, and have my guys and move forward. The media day For stuff, sure. like whatever. No, 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 no. But I'm saying you're starting training camp. And it's like yeah. we're starting training camp off on a bad foot with a disenchanted player who is our franchise's, yeah. you know, one of our best players ever who's going to have his name in the rafters. And it's all just weird. It's about getting the best offer, though. That That's that's the end goal. That's what matters most. That's the only thing that matters. Well, they've had a long time to get an offer together. I mean, that thing mm-hmm. broke a long time ago. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. All right, we got things that we are going to look forward to this upcoming NBA season in honor of us beginning our eighth season on The Mismatch. Here are eight things. You want to go first or second? I'll go first. All right. Go ahead. I'll just, go, I'll just get the most obvious one out of the way, aside from where's Damian Lillard going to play. The most obvious one, Victor Wembenyama. I just <laughs> right. cannot wait to watch Wemby with this Spurs team that I've been high on for a long time with Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, Jones in their backcourt. They have so much talent up and down their roster. Malachi Branham. And now you insert the greatest prospect that we've seen since LeBron James. Victor Webanyama, seven foot three, elite rim protector, dynamic, versatile offensive presence. I'm just excited to see the way this all clicks together now that eyeballs are going to be on the Spurs. I think they're going to be this year's team that people look at and say, oh, it's not just Wemby there. They have a heck of a lot of talent, and good things are happening in San Antonio, and they're built to win for a long, long, long time. Do you think he is going to be immediately awesome? Defensively, yes. Offensively, I'm not so sure. Offensively, it's going to depend a lot on the efficiency of his jumper. He He's on a trajectory where there's been improvement every year. His free throw percentage has risen over 80%. He's become a 40-plus percent guy from mid-range. Will the three-point percentage rise? That's a big question there. Uh, how is he defended in pick and rolls? Can he make teams pay when they switch on ball screens against him with post-ups? Those are the questions I have, but I think he's going to be good offensively. Will he be amazing offensively? I mean, that's a that's a challenge of questions, but I do think he's going to make an immediate impact on that defense, especially because defense is five. It's about five players working together, and I like the other pieces that they have together. I think he is going to be immediately awesome. 20-plus points per game type of awesome? I just don't understand who guards. Like, I mean, I get it. Guys are going to try to be physical, but, like, you've been really been able to focus on him in a way. uh, You know, I think in a lot of the scenarios that we have seen him so far. And they've got other good players on that team. And so I, I, I think that, like, his first time through, I think there's going to be some getting used to. He'll have some duds, but he'll also have some monster games as well, like quickly. I really believe that. And you watch a lot of these bigs. There's so many face-up bigs in the league. Like, how many guys are roughing him up? And that's what it, I mean. That's what you got to do. Like, try to be really physical with him. And I just don't know how many guys are roughing him up. Look. In the anniversary today of Vince Carter's dunk over Frederick Weiss, which if it didn't happen on video and then you just saw it, you'd be like, is that like CGI? Like Victor Wimbayama has the only play I've seen that I thought was fake. (laughs) That I thought it it was a I thought it was a video (laughs) trick. Unbelievable. I thought it was spliced. The guy followed dunked a missed three. 
Oh, I, I remember you saw you saw the vertical video first, where like yes. it shows him missing the three, and then it cuts. It, yes, and, and then it shows him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I I'm like, that. there's no. I'm like, there's no way that's the same play. <laughs> Unbelievable. And sure enough, it was the same play, and so yeah, I'm I'm excited too. I he is now. Sometimes we become prisoner of the moments. I went out of my way to watch Zion too. So. You know, we we act. Uh, I know that you said he is the best prospect since LeBron, according to very uh, a, a tremendous amount of people, right? But I do think we kind of forget about the Zion thing. Like everybody went out of their way to watch Zion at Duke, and I was sitting there as a team that was the recipient of the second draft pick that I covered, the Grizzlies. That night, when it went to break, and they were either going to get one or two. I mean, that was the Zion draft, <laughs> and it was like, oh my god! And now, obviously you know, move forward four years, and it's quite interesting the way it's all played out, but Zion Williamson, and and he never, he was never not awesome when he played. Gun, the guns and buns draft. Yeah, they kind of, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, all right, number one on my list was season of big name trades. So, I, I think that we're going to get Lillard, we're going to get Harden. That's two Hall of Famers. And we've spent yeah. an inordinate amount of time talking about those. But I just jotted down as I was going through, like, names you already hear that, like, could, I don't want to say likely for all of them, but certainly a possibility. You had already mentioned uh, DeRozan. DeRozan is, you know, coming up on a contract. Like, he'll, he could be on the move. Wouldn't it be interesting if that was part of the play? What you are saying, a homecoming for him along with Lillard, if they're really buddies. Maybe the guy could pull off both, right? They they are buddies. They are, and and that's one there. thing that makes the Chicago aspect interesting. They're friends, those two. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying you said the agent. Yeah. And what if yeah. he and what if we had a little DeRozan homecoming and you get a new backcourt there? Oh, get him back in Toronto? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's the convince, right? Anyways, mm. De, DeRozan or Levine. So you got that thing with the Bulls that's gonna be hanging out there, that's right? Interesting. And that's, huh. and that's two big names. DeRozan mm-hmm. and Levine that could end up, you know, d- a decision from them. Towns, obviously, massive name. Who knows the way it's going to play out in Minnesota? They're going to make a choice. Whether that means moving Gobert, whether that means moving Towns. Towns, much more likely, given that he's been there a long time, and his huge contract kicks in next year. Now, that may make him hard to deal, but they're going to make a decision on that. They're not just going to ride it out if it's not working again because the offensive rating with Towns and Gobert on the court at the same time was putrid last year. Uh, I don't think there's any reason that that's going to change uh, dramatically. And so that'll be one. Brogdon, you mentioned, like some of these are not huge names. Jared Allen, another one that I could see get moved with just given the way that played and how bad they got punked out in the playoffs by the Knicks, how pitiful he was. And also, you know, the fact that we don't think that that works, you know, with uh, with that with those two in the front court. So that's an awesome rim running, like super energetic. You know, he had an all star season basically uh, recently, and so I could see I could see them breaking that up to try to figure out a better fit next to Mobley. Uh, you've got the Trey and Dejounte thing. You know, they finally have a coach there that, like, he's not going to be to blame. They're not blaming Quinn Snyder. So now we're going to see it play out for a little bit. But what are the chances that that backcourt sticks together? They're both fantastic players, for sure. But are they going to be fantastic, like, together? I would I would hedge against that, for sure. Um, and Quinn Snyder will have a lot of say in whatever they do there. This has not been talked about a lot either. Paul George and Kawhi. As of today, neither have signed extensions. I was waiting for you to mention them. Yeah. And I mean, those are monster, monster names that they've got that new arena coming up. Um, and they're gonna have to they got a decision to make. And so if you're not going to re-sign them, is it just get assets for them time? And I I think you can get a ton of assets for George, for sure. But I don't even know what kind of assets you can get for Kawhi if you wanted to just say to hell with that, we're done with the Kawhi thing. I really don't know. Um, 
Chris Paul, if that doesn't work with the Warriors. Expiring contracts, 30 plus million. Very tradable. And they have young players they could pair with them too. Kaminga, draft picks. They could get very creative. Kyrie, if it's not going good with Luka 30 games in, you know, they, they, they retained the asset, but they're not going to screw around with the Luka thing at this point. And so there's one. And, and obviously, you never know. I mean, you never know with Kyrie. And then I think you've got your beloved Pelicans with Zion mm-hmm. and Ingram. If they both play at the same time, obviously, you've got McCollum there, too. Like, what are they, what are they doing? Where are they going from here? Because um, they got Valanchunas, too. I think he's uh, going to be on an expiring um, as another guy on that team. And so that one, they've never really had them both playing at the same time for an extended amount of time. It's only been one or the other. And I do think uh, they'll probably make a decision on that. So I just think there could be, uh, you know, I know this new CBAs coming up, but I mean, I think there could be a lot of big names moving around and a lot of teams altering themselves possibly dramatically. And it starts like right before the season starts with the Lillard and Harden thing. And then those were just, I mean, obviously I didn't name that many guys, but that was just like as I looked at the teams and jotted down names that I think are real possibilities. Jeez, man. And you're talking about moving a lot of guys. Like there's a lot of movement with those guys if like Towns moves. And then, oh, by the way, let's say the Harden thing's a debacle. Whether they can't find a trade for him and – Daryl digs his heels in like he did on the Simmons thing, or they don't get some kind of great return that really helps them. Now you got the whole Embiid crap. And that's going to be hanging out there. Because much like the Luca thing, they don't have time to screw around with it. Because these guys now, they just want to be in the best situation they can be in. And ones that are worth their salt want a real chance at winning. And if they lose faith in the management, wherever they are, we know you are, you're a week away from them saying, hey, get me out of here. And then you got a whole nother problem on your hands. So anyways, I just think there's going to be a bunch of big names that are both on the block and moving this season. For my second one, I'll play off one of the names you mentioned in there. Jared Allen. And one of the things I'm most looking forward to this season is will Evan Mobley expand on his offense? We've seen him be, you know, more effective near the rim, but last season he shot 22% from three, 36% from mid range. I don't think it's going to work for the Cavs unless Mobley is able to evolve very quickly on offense. And I've had my questions since pre-draft if he has that in him as a perimeter scorer, uh, largely due to a lack of touch, a sub-70% free throw uh, percentage for him. I have questions if the ability's there. He may just be more of an interior guy without a perimeter game. He hasn't shown it in two years. I worry about that fit with Mobley and Allen of the front court. So I think that relates to what you said about Jared Allen as a guy who could move. I don't think they would ever move Mobley. Allen's the guy that no. they would move. But but the other side of that is with Mitchell and Garland in the backcourt together. Two small guards. There's a lot of overlap with that Cavaliers roster with two tiny guards in the backcourt, two non-shooters in the front court. You know, you add Max Struess. I'm sorry, but Max Struess isn't going to turn you into a championship contender. Uh, I think Cleveland is a team that's going to have to make a move unless... Evan Mobley really, really takes a leap. So he's one of the guys I'm most looking forward to watching this season to see if that development ends up happening. Well, he is a great defender. And I think he just moved. I I think he just, look, if he's not going to be able to knock down shots, then he's just, he's a center. And now you find me a stretch four that can do some bullying because I do think you just move Mobley over there. And I think Struess will really help them. They just needed somebody that can knock down an open shot. Chris, the one, thing, though, the, the one thing about that, though, is, I mean, if you're Cleveland, just like in the West, you have to think about Jokic. If you're Cleveland in the East, you need to think about Embiid. 
you still need a beefy five to unless you can pull him away. Unless you can pull him away. I mean, on on when you're on defense, though, and right. maybe there's nothing you can do about those guys with Jokic. Nah. Like that's what the that's what the Suns are thinking with Jokic. It's like clearly if they're devaluing Aiton and are willing to move him for a cheaper center who might be worse in a vacuum, it's because they know there's no answer for. For him, right. there's no answer for Jokic. Just like in the East, maybe you give up some size against Embiid because you're you're having more benefit elsewhere by pulling him out, wearing him down, going at him on defense, and maybe that's the solution for the Cavs. But, but yeah, Mobley entering year three, this is this is a big one for him and the Cavaliers. It's huge, especially given the Mitchell contract situation, all that they gave up for him. This is a, a pivotal season, a turning point. All right. Next one uh, for me is the Phoenix experiment. This oh, is fun. Look, you've obviously got the the fantastic players that are all on the roster together, but beyond that, it is another case of an owner taking over and then just opening up the pocketbook and dumping the money into the deal and. We have seen, and I know that he has said, you know, hey, I'm not like Prokhorov. It's not going to be like Prokhorov or something. But, like, we've seen this same act over and over again. Most of the time, to poor results. It'll be, it, it's not just Prokhorov. Guess who else went bonkers with their with the money that they had once they got their team? Steve Ballmer did. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could go to the NFL. Dan Snyder did back in the day when he was throwing $100 million dollars at Albert Hainsworth and crap like that. And you have most recently this guy that bought the Mets and was so boisterous about it. Uh, you know, even on the Twitter and whatnot, Steve Cohen. And like they had a fire sale this year. Like, but he just he was just gonna outspend you. That's what it was. He was gonna outspend you. I'm gonna have the best players and then We'll we'll pay whatever tax you want us to pay and whatever else. And so you got a lot of these guys that are like are gonna make the big splash. This one is so super fascinating. I don't know how Beal is going to fit with Durant and Booker. It's an odd fit. Um, just given what their careers have been thus far. You're gonna see what they look like without Chris Paul, who was really running that show. Uh, for them. And then, more importantly, along with Ayton, you go up and down, and we've just never seen anything like this. It's like DeAndre Ayton, 32 million. Kata Bates Diop, 2 million. Bradley Beal, 46 million. Bull Bull, 2 million. Devin Booker, 36 million. Uh, Drew Eubanks, 2.3 million. Jordan Goodwin, 1.9 million. Kevin Durant, 47 million. Damian Lee, 2.5 million. It's all, it's like these massive 30 plus million dollar salaries and then just a bunch of dudes that make 2 million bucks. And I don't know if that's, we'll see. They did a much better job of filling out that roster with one and $2 million players than I would have ever thought they could. So I give them a lot of credit on that. But, how much of it is it? Is it what do they do with the Aiton thing? Is that going to be is that going to be what they use in order to bolster around those other guys? Um, and it's just it's so fascinating. We never we never really seen anything like this. It's just like a middle finger to the whole <laughs> new structure. And I know they you know they got their second round picks back and all that stuff, but you've just got a bunch of huge salaries and then a bunch of nothing salaries and then you've got these four you know fantastic all-star caliber players obviously two of them i would say i'd say booker and booker and durant hall of fame level players and then you know beal's been a consistent all-star ayton's you know he's right there on the cusp all-star caliber i don't know what's gonna happen with it i really don't I don't know. And and I don't know if Frank Vogel is like the right thing, right coach for this. I don't know. It's all fascinating to me. The one thing I disagree with what you said in there is the Beal fit. Beal pre, you know, 30 point per game score Beal was an off ball 
guy. And he was very good at cutting, moving without the ball, coming off screens and handoffs. I like the theoretical version of it if Beal taps into that old version of himself. And like the guy he's been ever since he signed his big contract in Washington, uninspiring on defense. His offensive efficiency has dropped dramatically ever since he was a 30-point-per-game guy. I have questions there. But the the old version of him, I, I hope he taps more into that uh, next to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And I, I think they could be pretty, at the least, they're going to be fun to watch. I think you want be him to good. be uh, Ray Allen. Yeah, he's the guy who's going to have to sacrifice the most behind yeah. Booker and Kevin Durant. Yes, for hey, sure. Hey, can he? Can he be, can he thrive mm-hmm. in that role? I think so. I mean, so. look, I mean, I think made he, two, he made, he made 300, 400 million dollars. You'd think so. Right. He's made man. And, you know, he he had his chance to be the guy and now he doesn't have to be the guy where it's all hanging on him. He's the guy on all the billboards and he's the guy that, you know, is the best player on a team and is expected to carry the load every single night. Like that was once the plight of Ray Allen. And then he went and teamed up with uh, Paul Pierce and he went and teamed up with Kevin Garnett and he was able and, and Rondo for that matter. And he was able to star in his role and maybe Beal could do that right but that whole phoenix thing the whole new ownership yeah. and then that's gonna be so fun it's just a cra- it is a mm-hmm. it is a crazy ledger to look at mm-hmm. really <laughs> like it's all like i don't even know like outside of eight and it's like the only thing that you could like move to like improve it and will they because he could probably there, there's another one, by the way, another name I could absolutely see going elsewhere and being playing a much bigger role for somebody else and getting a lot more touches for somebody else, which is what he wanted. That's why he wanted to go to Indiana in the first place. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Next up on my list is what type of system does Nick Nurse install for the Sixers? I'm most looking forward to that because I think this is going to dictate a lot of what they can be with or without Harden. If Nick Nurse brings in some motion concepts, it gets Maxi and Embiid on the move, gets Embiid into more creative positions, steals a little bit of what the Nuggets do with Jokic, steals some of what the Kings do with Sabonis, a little bit of what the Bucks do with Giannis, just little sprinkles of that with Embiid's own version of it. He's not the playmaker that Jokic is, and he's not the downhill attacker that Giannis is, but he can do some of that stuff. And I would just like, like to see some more creative offensive actions for him and for Tyrese Maxey because Maxey is one of the best off-ball players in the entire NBA. He's constantly active. He never stops moving. And I would like to see him fully empowered in that role. His One of his trainers this offseason, Drew Hanlon, had some tweet or something he said on a podcast I saw last week saying, I'd be surprised or disappointed if Maxey doesn't average 25 points per game this season. And Maybe that's setting the bar a little high, and it might also depend on if James Harden comes back. But he just did average 20.3 points per game last season after averaging 17.5 the year prior. So it's not unfathomable that he could reach 25 points per game if he's getting 17, 18, 19 shots per game. 
And I think Maxi's ready for that. He's a knockdown shooter. He's a good downhill attacker. And if there's if the right system is around those guys, uh, I think it could elevate that Sixers team as a whole. And I just look forward to seeing how they evolve. It's also going to be fascinating to see if he can get out of Embiid what Doc did. Doc did not get the credit, I think, that he deserved. He could keep it real with Embiid. Now, obviously, they had their playoff failings, but the guy did win the MVP. And Chris, so is that. But Chris, you just said it. They had their playoff feelings. And Embiid's scoring efficiency fell fell off a cliff in the playoffs. His scoring volume fell off a cliff. And I guess you could put some blame on Embiid, but also the offensive system is to blame for that too, with how stale and stagnant it got. I get it, but you also have an Embiid that wanted to be like had this huge chip on his shoulder about you know, being ranked behind other guys, not winning the MVP, Jokic winning it, and, like, cared so deeply about winning it and being, you know, uh, first-team All-NBA and all this stuff. And it's like, what happens when you achieve that, right? Like, do you have that same hunger to come back and be the best player in the league? Is that, does that remain? Or, you know, and, and, and can a coach get it out of you, you know, when sometimes it's not going. And look, I guess look, we did it with Brett Brown too. So is it all the coaches? You got to nut up, bro. I agree. I agree. You got to nut up. I agree. And beat and beat. First needs it was to be Brett better. Brown. And then it was, and then it was Doc Rivers. Like now it's going to be Nick Nurse's fault. Yeah, look, listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not being some Joe Ellen apologist here. I'm just going to preface what I'm about to say. And beat needs to be better. He needs to be better. Period. End of story. He individually needs to be better, regardless of what the circumstances are around him. When you look at his numbers, regular season, the last three years in the Doc Rivers, he's averaged 30.9 points, 3.8 assists, shooting 55.1 effective field goal. I mean, the guy's dominant. And then in the, in the playoffs with three years under Doc, 30 total games, that's dipped from 30.9 points to 25.3. His three-point percentage has dropped from 35.9 to 27.5. His two-point percentage has dropped from 55.4 to 53.1. Across the board, he goes from having a positive assist turnover ratio to a negative assist turnover ratio. He needs to be better, but also... Part of that is system, environment, dealing with the Ben Simmons factor before where teams ignored him during the playoffs, whereas during the regular season, it was less of a factor. Sixers' offenses were incredibly potent. Part of it is the system with how stagnant Doc Rivers' offensive be- offenses became with the lack of adjustment. So Embiid does deserve blame, but it's not all on him, which is why I introduced this conversation here with how does Nick Nurse install this offense? Because to me, it's so much about that. What does Nurse do with this team? And how does he empower and beat in new creative ways that allow him to maintain his elite regular season play into the postseason? And we're going to find that out pretty early on. Like, we're going to know in October, November, December what that Sixers system is going to look like. And if it's stagnant, 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 I'm not going to be high on them at all. Come postseason time, they need to evolve. They need to take what's worked with Giannis and the Bucks. They want a title. Need to take what worked with Jokic and the Nuggets. They want a title. And the Kings, granted, they get blasted in the first round. There's elements to take from what works with Sabonis. Because if it works with Sabonis, it can work with Embiid for for damn well for them. So I, I just want to see a more dynamic Embiid that can be the MVP of the playoffs and not just regular season big numbers guy. You brought up coaches. I also have, uh, or Nick Nurse. I, I've got, I've also got uh, as my third one, the new coaches. Um, these are super fascinating. So you have a combination of teams that tanked it out, and then, like always, the guys that had to take all the losses. As soon as it starts to get good, they don't reap any of the benefits from it. They just take all the losses and then they kick them to the side. And so, as soon as you're able to win. Like, and there'll be some other guys like that too. Like Mosley in Orlando, probably the next one, right? He took he took the losses and then he's not gonna get to reap the benefits of it once it <laughs> once it finally gets good. But anyway, Monty Williams takes over in Detroit, and it's not like it's gotten good, but they're a young, exciting team that now has, you know, a much better looking roster with Cunningham coming back um than they did. And they were a team that we were gonna go out of our way to really pay attention to last year. And then once the Cade injury hit, it just went to hell. 
Ime Udoka in Houston. We have not seen him since he was on the sideline for Boston. He did a very good job with Boston. They've got a good roster and a good combination of young players and uh, some vets that they brought in. And so you've got that one where he's got the opportunity to take that over and they could have a massive improvement from where they were last year. And then the other ones, which are the teams that are expected to win or be very good, and they replace their guys. So the aforementioned Doc Rivers uh, run out. Now it's going to be Nick Nurse. And he's got he's to take that job, and he's got to win. His old job, which we don't know, is that going to be a win-now job or a rebuild job? I thought they hired Darko from the Grizzlies, uh, Rajakovich, uh, to be like a player development type coach, right? To usher in whatever the next era of Raptors basketball is. I mean, if they're trained for Dame Lillard, that's a different job than that is. So we'll see. Uh, Monty Williams gone in Phoenix, where they won 60-something games and made it to an NBA Finals. And now it's Frank Vogel who we last saw on the Lakers sideline. And who knows how Frank Vogel is going to work uh, with that group. That is not who the players went out of their way to rep when it was coaching hiring time. And so we'll see how they take to uh, Frank Vogel. And then the biggest one, by far, by far, is Milwaukee. We have never seen Adrian Griffin on the sideline. Rookie head coach. And say whatever you want about Bud. Say whatever you want about his playoff failings and that miserable exit that they had to Miami. Mike Budenholzer has been a great NBA head coach record-wise and has given you a chance to have a good seed and have a good opportunity in the playoffs. And he did win an NBA championship. And you have the whole Giannis thing that's hanging out there. And it's and what once was, you know, Dirk did it and Tim Duncan did it. And that's what I want to do in Milwaukee has now turned more into I've got to look at what's the best opportunity to win <laughs> and this kind of stuff. And so you've already got to get that hanging out there like they have to be right about firing Bud. And like if that team takes a big step back because they replaced Mike Budenholzer. With Adrian Griffin, then that's going to tell us a lot about an NBA future for that team that we fancy as a NBA Finals contender and for that player who is obviously one of the greatest players of this entire generation and whether or not he's there for the long haul. I, I just think they have to be right about that. And it's fascinating to me that they they got rid of a guy who won a tremendous amount of games and an NBA title there, and I understand all the criticisms of Budenholzer, but you replaced him with a guy that's zero and zero. And that's not saying that that's a mistake, but it might be. You know, <laughs> we wouldn't be saying it if they, if they hired some guy that has a, a great track record and has won at the highest level. Like, you're not going to have a coach that's going to be coaching in his first playoff game whenever he's doing and And sometimes it works out. Emil Odoka worked out for the Celtics, right? You know, and he took over. Brad was a great coach for them. And he may took over. And so I think you got to hope if you're a Milwaukee fan that Adrian Griffin is like Udoka was in Boston and that that roster is just going to win. And it wasn't Budenholzer or the system or the environment. But I think he's uh, I think he's a very good coach. And I do think they had a very good culture in Milwaukee. And so it's a it's a risk. There's no way around it. I'll play off that for my fourth and final one here because what I had on my list is are we are we at a point where the contenders that we talk about every year are beginning to change the stars that are in contention are beginning to change cuz we have a lot of aging teams you have the Lakers the Warriors the Clippers the Suns even with Kevin Durant at his age the Bucks at this point, with Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are getting older, the Heat, Butler's older. These contending teams that we've known for years now that we've talked about, oh, they could win the finals. Is that beginning to change at this point where it becomes the Nuggets, 
becoming a dynasty potentially? Is it about the Kings taking a leap? Is it about the Grizzlies getting better once they get job back? Is it surprise teams? Like, is it Zion figuring things out and the Pelicans become a team that's like a top seed in the Western Conference? Is it teams like that? Do the Thunder get better? Do the Mavericks take a leap with Luka? Does he become an MVP? Does Kyrie work out? Do they have an amazing offense? Do the teams that we talk about as most likely to win the finals, is it dramatically different this year? Or is it going to be some of the same old names that we've talked about for years now? Because I think this this could be the year where that shifts entirely. Well, and Kevin, just to play off of that, to your point, think about this. In the Easter Conference, who knows what happens with Lillard, right? Okay. But you have a lot of moves that could alter things dramatically from what is the what has been uh, understood, which is Philly's going to be there, Boston's going to be there, Milwaukee's going to be there. And it's like, Milwaukee's got a new coach. And Boston moved off of Marcus Smart and now has Kristaps Porzingis there. And now has Joe Missoula, you know, coaching that whole squad again in with with different players than what has been the core of that team uh for so long uh and has won a tremendous amount of games together and Philly who the hell knows if they're going to have Harden if there's going to be a good return for Harden that helps them with like and those were ones that you could just like kind of pencil in they're going to be good they're going to be good they're going to be good like as the favorites i think it's actually a little more stable in the in the West, at least like most of these teams have their same coach, right? But Denver, I, I, I'm not kidding you. You could say, how many teams could you say second and make a case for? A lot of teams in the West. Like at least, at yeah. least six or seven that wouldn't be absurd. I mean, I think the top four, in my opinion, in no order is Denver, Phoenix, Lakers, Warriors. I, I still think the Warriors and Lakers are going to be super competitive despite their age, especially the Lakers. You mean at the end of the season, not at not the seeding? Yeah, you don't think those are going to be? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about seeding. I have no idea. Regular season, I mean, it could be one or two games difference, games missed. I don't know. Like the Kings had forty eight wins last year, and they were the three seed. The, the Timberwolves had forty two, and they were the eight. Uh, like it's just so so close. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is those aren't going to be the top four seeds. Like I just don't think they're going to care I, enough I, about I, the regular I have, season. I have no idea about seeding. I don't know. You just mean at the end of the year. Yeah, I think like if you're power ranking the teams regardless of wins, who were the four best teams in the West? I'd pick those four. Yes, which is not a hot take at all. It's it's a pretty mild take, really. Then has that changed from last year? What you would have said? No. Hmm. Some Not people would argue the Kings last year. What? Before the season? No, no, no. I said, uh, no, I'm saying during the season, like before the playoffs, end of the year. Oh, uh, no. Certainly not that. Not, not the odds makers wouldn't. Right, and, but, I'm, and I'm not sure everybody had Denver as top four before the season last year either. A lot of people had Clippers winning the finals. So I don't know why you trust them anymore. No, that's a tough one to trust. Well, and number four, what I'm most looking forward to is you and I doing Thursday night podcast where two stars played in the same game. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I Let's am go. so looking forward to how this works out. This also could, though, to your point about like the aging contenders, could have even a more profound impact on the health one way or another of these teams when we get to the end. I don't know if sitting these guys out for rest has been helpful or hurtful for them. There's, I know there's an old school feeling of, hey, you need to keep doing it. You need to build your body up to be able to withstand this. That's why guys have these problems is because they don't practice and play and do all these things as much as they used to. I don't know what's true, what's not. And the science is kind of all over the place. Um, but you've got a lot of organizations that have put health sciences right on the forefront and have made it the most important thing. And it has hurt the product dramatically. 
and Adam Silver has stepped in and they have made rules to where now you can't get the biggest boat of cash if you don't play. You cannot get the awards if you don't play. And are there going to be a lot fewer injuries now? Because there are now reasons to play that maybe you would have sat out an extra week or two. You wouldn't have been pressuring your training staff to get back on the court. But now you want to make sure that you get to that 65 games. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of effect. Does this increase injuries? Does this decrease injuries? And then people are going to say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Some years have injuries, some years don't. (laughs) But have guys just been sitting out for phony-ass reasons anyway? You know, or sitting out maybe a lot longer than they necessarily would have? Or I twisted my ankle on Monday and now I'm not going to play until Saturday? And so I'll miss the Thursday night game against or the Wednesday game against Charlotte and the Friday game against Indiana. But because I want to be ready for the Laker game on Saturday, you know, I want to see what kind of impact this has and how many guys this actually affects. And then if there's some huge debate at the end of the year about, you know, all it's going to take is one likable guy to play 64 games and not get to be first team all NBA and people are going to go batshit crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If Jokic misses 18 games for some, you know, godforsaken reason, you know, and obviously he's not one that would sit out for anything other than an injury. But God forbid somebody like that, like that he's universally respected and loved, or Curry or LeBron, for that matter, or whoever. And they play 64 games, they play 62 games, and they're not able to get the award. Nobody's able to vote them for the stuff. Then it, it's, I mean, it's just going to be a thing all year long. But I'm hopeful that because of the fines about resting and the threats from the league about resting, but more importantly, the 65-game number, are we going to have a lot more of the best players play more games than we have ever gotten used to seeing them play the last five years. I'd bet yes, wouldn't you? I'd bet yes, we do get more. Yeah, We get more uh, stars playing on Thursday nights. I hope so. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It'd be great. Last regular season sucked. Yeah, for us especially. No, just the whole thing did anyway. Look, I go to 41 home games a year. It sucked. and, And by the way, I was getting to watch the second. Uh, I, I've been to terrible seasons. They had the second best record of the Western Conference, so it wasn't like I mean I wasn't watching good basketball most of the time. It was just it, whether it was the home team or the visiting team, you never knew who was playing that night. The crapshoot, literally every night, you went to the arena, and that's just not how it should be at all. And so I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I think there's a lot to look forward to. I think this is, I, I'm very hopeful about this upcoming season. I do think we've got so many amazing players. I go through the schedule. I was looking at it the other night. There's very few teams I don't want to see. Oh, in I want to see them all in person. All, all of them. Like there's I'm saying, interesting like, from every team, Chris. Every single team. I think that's true. I think that's true. And I don't think I think there's really only going to be two bad teams. Okay, Washington. And I know even, I know you could find a silver lining, but I mean, the Wizards could play in my backyard and I wouldn't raise the blinds. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> what a rat so, team that's It's one be. of my favorite Vernoisms. Yeah. Who, who is, <laughs> and I don't really know, I think them and, was there anybody else I thought was going to be terrible? But I think there were two teams. I'm not kidding. That I thought like wouldn't compete. Yeah, because Charlotte could probably compete this year. I mean, they're going to try to at least for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston's trying to compete. Yeah, there's no obvious like we're going to suck this year teams. Yeah, it's a lot for, of competitive teams. Well, Washington. I mean, they're going to yeah. suck. They're going to be terrible. Other than that, I think pretty much everybody else is going to compete at least at the beginning. Um, 
for a good little while. And oh, Portland, Port Portland, Portland is not. I mean, look, they're not going to be non-competitive, but they're on a trajectory where it's like, hey, they're going to let Scoot take his lumps, and they're probably they're yeah. not going to be a playoff team. Unless they don't trade Dame, and we'll see. Oh, yeah, I guess. No, I mean, then, then again, they, they sucked with Dame, though. So. Yeah, they had him last year. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Uh, by next week, we are going to be to the uh, opening of the season, at least for preseason, uh, because by next Wednesday, there's going to be preseason games. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kev, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call one 800 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.